Welcome to Hutch on Hunting. This is Bruce Hutchin, your host for this podcast. Also, I'm the CEO of Hutch on Hunting Research and Information. I'm a digital scouter. And at HutchonHunting.com, you will see all my offerings and how I cover the state of Colorado for all big game species. Please reach out to me at HutchonHunting at gmail.com and I'll send you the link to set up a free discovery call where we'll talk about what you're looking for and how I can help you. HutchonHunting.com brings you the finest Colorado-specific research tools for your upcoming hunt. And today, I do have a special guest, Mike McNeil, who's a missionary for a group called Fathers in the Field. Mike, welcome to the show. Thank you, Bruce. It's a joy to be with you and uh, appreciate you, you know, wearing the hat and uh, and and swagging it out. So, in fact, we well, just... Well, yeah, uh, I'm going to be a, I'm gonna be a mentor father come Friday. I know, I know. I'm so excited for you. Oh, I'm excited too. Um, I have had the opportunity to mentor other people in my life, but not in an organization such, such as this. And we'll get into more of that in the show, but give us a little bit of your background, Mike. Yeah. So I've been in ministry most of my life. I actually was a professional guide and owned an outfitting business out of uh, Jackson Hole, Wyoming for 15 years. And at the same time, I was a pastor and I uh, was actually introduced to fathers in the field when I was a pastor in Wyoming. And um, got to know the founder, uh, John Smith Baker, and the co-founder, Scott McNaughton, oh, probably 13 years ago, and we started doing the ministry at the church, and uh, God just placed it upon my heart to be a bigger voice and advocate for the fatherless, and so 10 years ago, I stepped down from being a pastor to be a full-time missionary to fatherless boys, and have been on staff now with Fathers in the Field for 10 years. That's remarkable. I know um, your travel schedule. You've shared a little bit about that uh, with me. And for you to just, you know, have a great home life and life that's she's got to be a saint or an angel. <laughs> to, Definitely to let, a saint. <laughs> to let you, you know, take off and go from, you know, I don't know. Do you go coast to coast or is it mostly in yeah, Western yeah, so in the United States? Yeah, I do. I, I oversee our missionaries nationally. In fact, uh, here in a couple of weeks, I'll be up in Alaska training a new missionary in Alaska. So super excited about that, that God raised up another missionary because we need more. We need more men out there being a voice and battling for these fatherless children. And when you talk about my bride, um, I'm so grateful for her heart because she sees the deep need. She grew up fatherless. And uh, she saw the impact that it had on her brother that uh, got involved in drugs and alcohol most of his life. Um, and he just got saved here less than a year ago in his 50s. And uh, wow. Yeah. And so she's always been just a huge support. Um, in fact, um, we were just talking about this is that I'm getting ready to mentor another boy myself. And so I'm super, we're super excited about who, who God has for us. Um, I just need to get through a few weeks of travel and then, uh, and then step into that role in the midst of all of my travels. I still mentor a boy also, and I work with churches all over the country where we don't have missionaries. And, uh, 
inter- meet with the pastors and share the ministry with them and what all is involved. Because what I love about Fathers in the Field, Bruce, is that we're not a parachurch ministry. And what I mean by that, it's not, hey, guys, come join us. If a man was to call me and say, I want to be a mentor, um, which I just had happen in California yesterday, um, I said, I need to meet with your pastor because what we do is we come alongside and we provide all the materials and training and resources and counseling, coaching, all of that, so that churches have their own intentional mentoring ministry to these fatherless boys, you know, and, and Bruce, these boys are hurting, you know, the the one person, the one man in their life that should be there for them, the way God designed the family for the father, the husband to be in the home and be the pastor, provider, and protector. When a man steps out of that, anything outside of God's design, it's not going to work. And these boys carry that deep anger-filled wound that they don't know why they're angry, um, but we can look around society and say, man, we got a problem. Um, I don't know if you know this or not, Bruce, but 50% of children are being raised fatherless in America. 50%? Yep, yep. That's a big number. It is. The inner city, Bruce, is 74%. We're one click away from looking like the inner city. If you, if you, all you have to do is look in our society, but if you look at like all of the, the mass school shootings, all but one was a fatherless boy. And if godly men in the church don't step up like yourself and, and disciple, mentor these boys, someone's going to, and it's usually the gangs, other things. And, uh, you know, the percentages of fatherless men in prison, um, I've been told by people that work in the prison, you know, you, could, you have the government statistics or whatever, but every guy that I know that works in there says that it's over 95, 98%. They're fatherless. They're hurting. They're angry. They don't know why they're angry. And to introduce them to their heavenly father and to share the gospel in the language that a fatherless boy um, can understand is really a powerful thing. And I've been blessed to mentor boys and see life changes. Um, there's there's a video on the Fathers in the Field website about David, a young man that I had the privilege of mentoring that drug addiction, sexual addiction, attempted suicide, even when I was mentoring him. And, uh, and to see his life shift and come to fall in love with the Lord and turn his life over to Christ and to see him now as a godly man. I had the privilege um, back in June of last year to uh, officiate the wedding between he and his bride. And uh, he's a police officer now here in Colorado Springs. And um, more than anything, just my wife and I would look at this hurting, hurting boy that was so shut down and so broken and at times going, man, I don't know if you're even getting through to him to see him come to faith in Christ, ask you to baptize him, ends up barely graduating high school, then ends up at the police academy and and uh, graduating from there and, and uh, um, seeing God bless him with a, a godly woman. Um, it, it's, we just look at each other and many times just shake our head and go, who is this kid? Um, and so it's really the, the neatest part about being a mentor. I always say it's better than even being a grandfather. I've got six grandkids, but it's even better because you're not, you don't have to discipline them. You know, you, you have, you know, sometimes you got to discipline your grandkids with these, with these boys, you don't, you just go, Hey, you know, just take them home and, 
And, but they, they so desire, they just don't act up because they so desire to be with you. They're just dying to have a man in their life. And so it's such a privilege um, to be a part of this ministry and see the impact that it's changing generations. It's stopping generational sin of the abandonment wound and the fatherlessness. I hope you're hearing that, folks. And let's get back to, I believe it's Scott that just came on board as a missionary up in Alaska. How did he come to you? How did he find fathers in the field? Yeah, actually, uh, Scott was talking to uh, a friend of his that knew about fathers in the field and just shared it with him. Um, He's actually a missionary in another um, ministry that said, man, you should check out this ministry. And uh, interesting enough, Scott grew up fatherless. And so he reached out um, to the ministry and he went through the the application process and the preliminary start, all of that. And so um, praise God that uh, January 1st that he came on full time. And so I'll be going up there and doing some ongoing training. We'll be meeting with pastors up there and sharing the ministry with them and um, start reaching fatherless boys up in Alaska. So is there a website or someplace if yeah. a guy, somebody hears this, a man, who hears this, where should he go if he wants to find out of being about joining your team? Okay. So as far as being a missionary, so yes. there's two things there I'll, I'll share. Yeah. So it's the same website. It's fathers in the field. So fathers, F-A-T-H-E-R-S in the field.com. And if they're interested, God's calling them because it's a calling just like the pastorate. It, it's a calling. Um, it's, there's a, a tab at the top called join our team. And they'll click on that and it'll give them the information to start that process. And uh, we are, we're, we're looking for more missionaries for God to call godly men to, to get in the battle and, and help reach these fatherless boys, train up churches and the leadership team at the church, um, which is a lay led team and then training the mentor fathers and all of the things that go with it. It takes about a year to train a, a new missionary. It, it's quite an investment. And how many states do you have missionaries in right now? Well, the ministry is in 38 states, but we don't have missionaries in 38 states. So we have some missionaries that cover multiple states. Um, In fact, Scott up in Alaska, he's going to handle Alaska as well as Washington and Oregon to help us over there on that West Coast area. Um, But our our desire. I mean, it's God's will and and whether he raises up a missionary, but we could use a missionary in every state. And if you ask every missionary, they're like, well, we could probably use more than one in, in states, especially places like in Texas where Justin is. Um, and so, you know, it's a special calling. Um, you know, if if a man is interested about being a mentor or about getting the ministry in front of his church, he can go to the website and uh, click on the link about, um, you know, his interest, filling out an interest form. And then that will be sent to whatever missionaries in that area um, to connect with that individual and try and get a meeting set. Because we need an hour with the pastor to go through all of the details and what's needed in his lay led team um, that he chooses. Uh, we don't choose the mentors. Bruce, um, as you know, pastor's the one that approves the mentor fathers. Um, We just provide all of the support and training and materials so that they can have this intentional one-on-one mentoring ministry. 
And uh, to give a, a snapshot of what the mentors commit to is that um, they commit to, it's, it's a three-year one-on-one intentional mentoring ministry. So it's one man, one fatherless boy. If mom's got two fatherless boys, there'd be two mentors for each of those. So each boy has his own mentor. But how we do it is we do it in a one-year commitment at a time because we understand life happens, whether job changes or health issues or mom moves, whatever. So we make a yearly commitment. And what the men commit to is really they're not adding any time. What we want to do is say to guys, what's your hobby? If you love to hunt or fish or play golf or fix cars or woodworking, whatever your hobby is. We ask men, will you take that hobby and teach it to a fatherless boy? And then the church and the church champions, the leadership team, fathers in the field, missionaries, we all come alongside and provide all the materials and the training and the resources to address this abandonment wound. And Bruce, I know you just went through mentor father training recently, and it's a lot of information. But the thing about it is, is that you get to teach them what you know and what you love to do. And I know you love to fly fish and being able to teach them how to fly fish and introduce them into the things that we love to do. I always say is that we, all of us guys have these hobbies, but we've never used them for the Lord. And in many times it creates conflict between us and our bride and us and the Lord and being able to turn that and use it for God's glory and to teach that to a fatherless boy, and then to go through. And and so once a month, I'll I'll kind of share what the men commit to. So twice a month, they pick up the boy and they bring him to church. And the reason why they pick him up and bring him to their church is because it's a ministry of their church. But the reason why we pick him up is we put on a calendar. We're going to be there at this time, at this date to pick you up. And the men show up on time and pick him up because these boys, they... By the time a fatherless boy turns 18, on average, the national average is they've been abandoned seven times, whether that's from a boyfriend or stepdads, whatever that is. So they don't trust men. And so when you say, I'm going to be there to pick you up and you show up, you start to knock that wall of trust down that this man keeps following through with his commitment. And then bringing him to church and introducing him to our our Christian friends and, and introducing him to the gospel there at the church. Um, And so that interaction, because I don't know if you know this or not, but 84% of single moms are unchurched. They're the largest unchurched people group in America. And I get it. I understand why, because they're working multiple jobs. Two out of three single moms live in poverty. And so they're receiving outside help. They're doing everything they can to homework and doing clothes, you know, laundry, all of that stuff. They're overwhelmed. And the last thing in their mind is to go serve someone else. And so one of the things that the boys get to do is that once a month, all the mentor fathers, these are the men that are mentoring the boys. So we call them mentor fathers is that uh, they do a service project for the widows and the elderly in the community. And uh, Bruce, I I love sharing a story about so many different boys, but one particular one, Caden, he's 13 years old when he finished all three years of fathers in the field. And I asked Caden at the end of the three years, I said, you know, Chris, your mentor, I said, he's taken you and fly fishing. You've learned how to fly fish. And this, this boy knows how to cast a rod. I'm telling you. And he's been snow skiing and snowboarding and camping. I said, all of the cool things that you've gotten to do of all the fun trips that you've done with 
with Chris, what's your favorite thing? And he said, service project. And it's because it brought him value and worth. Yep. And so at these service projects, we asked these individuals if they would minister to each of these fatherless boys, and we call them field buddies, is that if you would come up to them, look them in the eyes and say, thank you so much. I couldn't have done this without you because they don't believe they have any value or worth. And it's the first time they realize they do have value and worth and that it just starts to everything we do is so intentional to address the abandonment wound that they have a heavenly father that will never leave or forsake them, that they were created for a, a wonderful purpose that they're not a piece of garbage because every father's boy believes they're a piece of garbage. If you think about it, the one man that should be our hero, our dad, that says you're a piece of garbage and walks away from you, you think there's something wrong with you. In fact, a lot of these boys think it's their fault that their dad abandoned them. And so by doing these service projects, so that's the third contact. And then the fourth contact is the journey guide and doing something fun. And what I love about the journey guide is that it takes these boys through reading scripture and answering questions that are asked of them. And the curriculum was written um, by a fatherless man, a fatherless boy. And so I always share that what took me 13 years of a young man that I discipled from sixth grade, took me 13 years for him to finally forgive his dad. This ministry does it in three years because it's asking the questions that you don't know. Should I ask this question? What question should I ask a fatherless boy And when you have someone that was fatherless and knows what questions to ask, it really gets to the hard issues. And uh, and then so those are the four commitments. So if you think about it, you're not adding any time to your you're just taking a fatherless boy and doing life with them. Right. Um, You're already going to go do whatever you love to do. And so you're going to take them and do your hobby. And so you're adding 20 minutes or 30 minutes to go through a journey guide and uh, you're already going to church. So. You just pick them up, bring them to church. So if you're not serving, there's a couple hours a month that you'd be doing the service projects. So you're, you're just not adding time. You're just inviting someone into your life. And uh, I always say you get a front row seat uh, in the in the stadium, right, of on the front row of the court of an NBA game and watching what God does in these boys. Because as I share with men, we can't fix these boys, only Jesus can. And we get to front row seat to watch this happen. And it's really special to see this happen. And uh, I'm, I'm amazed at how many of these boys come to faith in Christ because a man cares and a man is committed to these boys. And so it, it's special. And then to add to all of that, we do a special signing ceremony. I always say it's kind of like a baseball signing um, which I went through um, that I, I I went through a baseball signing and so anyhow and played semi pro ball and and uh, anyhow it's a special time it's where everybody makes their commitments and everybody gets to put their hats on and and you know commit to the four contacts a month and we tell the boys if you follow through with your commitment the mentor has got a year end celebration trip planned. And so this year-end trip is a multi-day trip that the mentor plans and, and they're able to do that. And of course, all the safeguards, Bruce, that are in place, you know, there's no overnights alone with the mentor. Um, the mentors never go inside the home of a single mom. All of these things are in play, but uh, you're getting ready to, and I want to touch on this, you're getting ready to do a meet and greet. And what that is, is that they, the church has interviewed the mom. And it looks everything's a good match. And uh, and and so it moves from there to what's called the meet and greet. And so you're going to get to meet 
the young man that God already knew who he was before the foundation of the world for you to mentor. Isn't that something? Yeah. Isn't that cool? Because we believe that, folks. This isn't just, you know, we we firmly believe that, that God will ordain the people that I mentor. And I have living living proof of that with the young kid I've been mentoring for 10 years. Yeah. That was ordained. And God's word's very clear. He says that he has created good works for you to do before the foundations of the world. Right. And And we don't often think about it that God already knew who this boy was. He just had to work on your heart to say yes to being a mentor. And now all of a sudden you get to meet him. But in that meet and greet where you get to meet him, one of the things that we do is share the ministry with that boy. And he has to say yes. And so we don't mentor fatherless boys that don't want to be mentored. And uh, it it then allows for this boy to be in a, a relationship and something that he wants to participate in and he wants to be involved in. And uh, it's it's a special, special thing that happens. And that healing journey begins at the signing ceremony. Um, and so what happens is, is that you'll be taking pictures every time you're with your field buddy, whether it's going to church or doing something fun or a service project. And the last gift that he gets is at that year-end celebration trip. Because you have to understand, most of these boys don't have photos with their dad or any man of significance in their life. And uh, Bruce, I kid you not, um, being able to speak life into these boys, every man's dying for their father's blessing. Very few ever receive it. And I was in my 30s when I got my dad's blessing when he came to faith in Christ. And it's powerful. And to be able to do that and share with these boys what we see God doing in their lives and and just such, you know, encouraging them. You did such a great job. I'm so proud of you that you followed through with your commitment and to hand them that photo journal of every time you were together, because, you know, we know that a photo is worth a thousand words. It, it evokes the emotions, all of those things. I can't tell you how many times we've been sitting around a campfire and, and a bunch of burly guys and passing the Kleenex because of what just takes place in the intimacy of, of that boy hearing the words of a, of a godly man, of how proud he is of him. And uh, he may never hear, never hear the words of affirmation from his earthly father, but here's a man that's stepping in the gap and speaking words of affirmation and then giving him that photo journal. I kid you not, I've seen multiple boys, even one of my field buddies sleeping with that photo journal. That's what it means to him. And uh, I, I was talking about David, my one of my field buddies earlier, um, you know, he was older. So we focus on boys seven to 17. David was about 19 and a half when I finished year three with him, but he came to faith in Christ. He asked me to baptize him. And the first thing he, I, I said to him, I said, well, where do you want to be baptized? I said, you want it at the church or what are your thoughts? And he goes, will you baptize me in the river? The first place you took me fly fishing. And so 11 mile Canyon, I know you're familiar with it. Sure. I baptized David in 11 mile Canyon and the first thing he said to me was, can I get those pictures to put them in my photo journal? And he'd already received three of them, Bruce. You know, we'd already finished year three. And so it's uh, it's it's really a sweet, sweet thing. And folks, Mike spent a few minutes just outlining what it really means to the kids and to the men. Because in my case, and I'll get into a little story about my background. 
Um, simply when I left high school, my father looked at me and said, good luck. Mm. And when I got married, he said, good luck. And the people I remember are Otto Knight, because he took me trout fishing, let me shoot my first squirrel, rabbit, grouse, little 410. And then Harry Shear, who got me into big game hunting. And then Bob Collins, who I raced a sailboat out of San Diego. But he simply said, you're part of the crew, and just tell them at the gate, when you go in for lunch with your wife or dinner, just sign my name. Bill Cruzcos, who took me on my first goose hunt. And when I turned 60 years old, I wrote each of them a letter saying how thankful I was that they were in my life. Because without them, I probably wouldn't be alive. I'd probably be in jail, divorced, or whatever. I came to know Christ or God, I should say it this way. I came out of a dysfunctional family. So as a young man, I said, there's going to be more than this. And as a young man, I sat under this tree in Forces on a Rhode Island and said, and I'm going to paraphrase it to words that people can understand today. I'm screwed. This is not a good situation. And how I said that at six, seven, eight years old, I don't know. But here's what I do know. From behind me, a voice said, don't worry. I got your back. And I'm looking around, and I'm going, holy, right? Because, yeah, the Baptist church, we lived in Forces Center Road down. Four, four roads inter intersected. The Baptist church was on one of those roads. The one-room schoolhouse was on the other corner. The county clerk's office was on the other one, and there was a house on the other one. And I could see the Baptist church, and Bob Cooper was my pastor, and he preached the word of God. So God put me in such a place that I had godly men around me. And God has never left nor forsaken me. And that's why through my life, I've done some mentoring and been involved with different things. And then in my final chapter, which I'm now in, I said, my friend Leo came and said, Bruce, everything you've done, I mean, this is a no brainer for you. And so I raised my hand. And I said, yes. And if you're hearing my voice and any of this resonates with you, go to fathersinthefield.com and find out about it. Reach out to Mike McNeil. Find out about it. Because the biggest crisis we have in this country isn't the sitting president, isn't the drug addiction, isn't sex trafficking. It's men not manning up to be a man that God, that God called them to be. It's that simple. But for whatever reason, men don't want to do that. They believe a narrative that's false. But God will honor his commitment to you when you honor the commitment to him. And I think it's, what is it, First, First John 27 or First James 27 about the pure religion? Yeah, John's, J James 127. John, says, James yeah. 127. And you, you've got it memorized. I can paraphrase it, but what is it? Yeah, it says pure religion that God our Father, uh, let me back it up. Pure religion that God our Father uh, views. Oh, my goodness. Isn't that funny how I just, I, I'm blowing it. Um, Come on, Pastor. I know, man. <laughs> pure and undefiled religion is caring for orphans and widows in their distress and keeping oneself from being polluted by the world. And that word, by the way, um, uh, worship is the exact same Greek word 
um, a religion that that it's it, the Greek word is worship. So pure, undefiled worship is caring for orphans and widows in their distress and keeping oneself from being polluted by the world. I always wondered why James added that part to the end, keeping oneself from being polluted by the world. And Bruce, you know what I've come to the conclusion personally is that if I'm serving God, if I'm if I'm focused on caring for orphans and widows, I don't have time to be um, polluted by the world. No, my, and you're not focus. thinking about it. You know, no, you're you, not thinking about it. You're yeah, absolutely not thinking about it. it. It isn't something that pollutes you. The pollution doesn't affect you because your heart, your mind is not fixed on those yeah. things. Good. Well, and and you may not know this, but God's word says 118 times in scripture to care for the orphan and widow. I did not know that. Yeah. 118 times in scripture. I've looked up all the passages and uh, uh, it, it talks so much about that. Um, and, you know, Isaiah 117, which you can see on the screen is, is the verse uh, for fathers in the field. Um, but it says that God is the defender of the fatherless and the widow. And God defends is. them. Right. God is the, yep. Yep, he is the father to the fatherless. He, he defends the fatherless. Um, in fact, if you want to look up a, a passage most people have never looked up before, is um, is uh, Ezekiel? Is it Ezekiel? I just I am talking about having a, a brain fart here, um, and I'm going to look it up just because I can't. Yeah, think go of ahead. It. Yeah, and and it, it's such a powerful passage that um, I was like I. I had never seen that before as I was looking up these passages in scripture and um, um, I think it's 2222. Let me just double check and I can paraphrase it pretty simple, but um, now I'd have to go grab my Bible. Um, but what it says is that um, God says that if I hear it's Exodus 2222, I know it is. Hold on. I just just popped in my brain here. There you go. You're talking, you know how that goes. Um, it says, if you afflict him at all, and if he does cry out to me, and he's talking about the fatherless, I will surely, I will surely hear his cry and my anger will be kindled and I will kill you with the sword and your wives shall become widows and your children fatherless. And so he's talking to Israel and saying, if I hear them cry out. And I'm just going to tell you, Bruce, these fatherless boys cry out every night, wondering, where's my dad? What's wrong with me? And God says that if I hear their cries against Israel, he's talking to Israel here. He says, my anger will be kindled and I will kill you with the sword and your wives shall become widows and your children fatherless. That's how important it is that we as men step in the gap for these fatherless boys. And, um, you know, a lot of guys say, well, what do I have to offer? And all I have to say is, you know, if you if you got a beating heart, you got something to offer. If you have a hobby, you have something to offer these boys because these fatherless boys spell love, T-I-M-E. We as men don't realize the impact that our families have on them when they're around our families, the way that we speak with, with our bride, the way we speak to our children, or in my case, even my grandchildren, is such a foreign concept to him. In fact, I'll never forget one day David walked in my house and he goes, he goes, I'm so angry at my mom. And I said, well, what'd she do now? And he goes, well, nothing. But I see how you speak to Maria, your wife. And I see how you speak to your children and your grandchildren. And, 
And it's so different. My mom's a yeller, a screamer, a threatener. And I said, you know what, David? I said, we need to give grace to your mom. I said, you know, she just doesn't have good tools. I said, it's like plowing a field with a fork. You can do it. It's just not very effective. But I said, now you get to decide how you're going to speak to your bride and to your children and to your grandchildren. And just those profound moments that we don't realize these boys just being around us because they've never been in a home where there isn't yelling and screaming and fighting. In fact, one of the first times that David was with us, with all of our family. Um, and so my parents and, you know, in-laws, everybody, we were together and we were driving home and he said, uh, I, I had apologized to him because it was a little late and it was a school night. And he goes, no, you know, I was, I was going to say something to you. And I said, well, what, what do you, you want to say? And he goes, I've never been around a family that doesn't fight. And I said, well, no, we fight David. And he goes, no, no, I'm talking about the cops not being called, knives not coming out on each other, because I've never experienced that in my life. And to think that a child lives in that kind of chaos and, and um, destructive behavior just breaks your heart when, I, I mean, I was just, we we're just hanging out with my family, but it had a profound impact. The way that I spoke to Maria has a pr profound impact on David. Um, in fact, early on, you'll, you'll get a kick out of this is that uh, first I'll preface it. I always say a great mentor asks great questions without emotion, and without expecting a response. The great mentors in my life would throw things out there and let me chew on them. And so David early on started mentoring him. He'd be on the phone with his mom at my house and he'd be yelling and screaming. They'd just be in the screaming match. And he got off the phone one day and I said, David, can I ask you a question? He goes, sure. I said, why do you talk to your mom the way you do? He goes, oh, she just makes me so angry. I said, okay. I said, can I share something with you? I said, the way you speak to your mom is how you're going to speak to your bride. He's like, no, I would never talk to my bride that way, da, 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 da. And I said, oh, okay. And I said, well, let me share something else out with you. I said, uh, your bride is going to make you way more madder than your mama ever did. And of course, my wife's in the other room. She goes, amen, goes both ways. End of conversation. Four and a half years later, he calls me on a mission trip from South Africa, and he's, he was helping orphans and widows, go figure. <laughs> and uh, he calls me and he goes, uh, I, uh, he's, you shared something with me four and a half years ago that's haunted me. And I was, of course, like, sweet, what did I share? And he goes, you asked me the question, why did I talk to my mom the way I do? And it's just haunted me. And I said, well, did you figure it out? And he says, yep. And I said, what's that? And he goes, I I really realized it was really bad coping skills. <laughs> but to see how he talks to his mom today is so different. And uh, and so it's amazing the impact that we have that we don't even realize, you know, so often as a mentor, we're so focused on, you know, wanting to take them hunting or fishing, those things. It's all the other stuff that they're watching that means so much to them that you're there in their deepest, darkest time and and that you show up and that you're constant and consistent in their lives because um, these boys are hurting. You know, I tell men, I said, these boys may not open up for a year. You know, Bruce, just so you know, your field buddy may not open up with you for a year because they'll commit hurting. to me, though. Yeah. Yeah. Make the commitment. You'll, have, you'll have some challenges. They'll, they will test your commitment. And uh, we've we've trained on that of how to handle that. And and uh, we hold them accountable because they're they're dying to be held accountable. And, you know, it, it's interesting because 
um, at home or at school, a lot of these boys are acting up, but when they're with us, they, they don't because they want to be with a man, especially a man that cares for them. So interesting. It is. It is. Yeah. So when you think about here we are in 2024, January 31st, what do you envision the next three years being like for fathers in the field? Well, you know, it's interesting you ask that because, you know, a lot of ministries were impacted by COVID. Our ministry grew. And uh, 2023 was, again, another banner year. And um, and it's taken off again this year because um, this is, you know, this is such a, a deep need. And let's be honest, Bruce, you know, is we both love the church. Obviously, we go through the church because we believe in the church and it's Christ's bride. But for men, we have feminized church. In fact, no pastors ever argued with me over that fact that church has been feminized. And for most men, they get the opportunity of just sitting in church and listening to a sermon. Um, I always tease and say, you know, if they're really spiritual, they can pass the offering plate or go teach in children's church. And this is the first time where even pastors would rather have you, Bruce, out fly fishing than sitting in the pew of a church because you're doing ministry. And the most manly thing that guys have gotten to do in the church in the last 10 years is carry a gun and be on the security team. And so this just brings guys alive. It just brings you alive because now you, you, you get to firsthand see what not only God's doing, but what was, what was Christ's command before he ascended into heaven? Go make disciples. And the church has spent 2,000 years trying to define what that looks like. And all we have to do is, I always laugh and go, you know, the disciples always ask Jesus, what do you mean by this? What do you mean by that? They never asked him, what did they mean by go make disciples? Because they lived with him, they walked with him, they did ministry with him, they ate with him. And so they got it. And so by going and discipling a fatherless boy and you're eating meals with him and windshield time, you know, behind in your truck going down the road and, and you know, doing service projects, just doing life. Um, with these boys, it's discipleship. We just, we say mentor to men because when you say discipleship, it kind of scares guys. But when I talk to pastors, it's the word I use, but it truly is because you're mentoring them in your passion, what your hobby is. And that just, that lights us all up. Anytime we get in a conversation about fly fishing or, um, you know, guys into duck hunting or woodwork, we light up because it's something that we're passionate about. And to be able to teach that to a fatherless boy and see him get excited because we're excited about it. I always laugh because every field buddy, and I will tell you this, your field buddy that you're getting ready to mentor probably has never fly fished before. And all of a sudden he's going to become an avid fly fisherman. And so I, I have to share this with you because everybody laughs at me when I share it, but it's so true. I love teaching people how to fly fish, Bruce. You know why? It's all about lying and deceiving. <laughs> That's true. It's all about lying and deceiving, right? We're going to take and we're going to tie a fly that looks like a bug, but it's not, right? And then we're going to present it on the water and it's going to come floating along and fish is having a good day and boom, he hits it. But you know, the coolest thing is standing in a river with a fatherless boy that you've taught him how to fish and say, you know what? What we're doing is we're lying and deceiving these fish. What in your life that's coming at you that looks good but it's a lie deceiving. It could cost you your life. And it just opens up wonderful, wonderful conversation. Or like if you're into shooting, right? And always trying to hit the bullseye, you know, everything is off the mark. If it's outside of God, it's off the mark. 
And, uh, and so it just gives these great conversations that you get to have in God's creation, God's amazing classroom, the outdoors that no video game could ever compete with. And, you know, the, the truth is that most single moms use video games, electronics as babysitters. And so here's an opportunity to be adventurous. And, uh, and so many of these boys have helicopter moms, you know, that, I, I can't tell you how many 10-year-old boys I've met that don't know how to ride a bike or tie their shoes. In fact, I was on a turkey hunt on a year-end trip with some guys, and one of the boys' shoes was untied. And I said, hey, I said, you might want to tie your shoes so you don't fall on them. And he goes, well, I don't know how to tie them. So we're sitting in a turkey blind. And I said, all right, we're going to learn how to tie your shoes. That's what we did. Sitting there waiting for turkeys to come, and I taught him how to tie his shoes. Can you believe that? You know, it's just the difference that God created women and their roles different of that coddling and, and care. You know, for us as guys, every scar's got a story, right? And, and that adventurous spirit that God has given us. And to be able to see that open up in these boys, it, it's, uh, it's fun to watch. But more than anything, it's watching them be healed of that deep wound and come to a place of understanding that just like their dad abandoned them and their dad's a sinner. They realize they're a sinner and they also need forgiveness of Christ for their sins. And once they accept that forgiveness, they're called. God's word says that we need to forgive others. And that includes their dad. And so as they go through these three years of curriculum and you're three, Bruce, they actually, you'll work with them and walk through. We don't make them do it, but we walk them through it to write a letter to their dad, whether he's alive or dead, um, and to say what you did was wrong. It deeply impacted me. It deeply hurt. But I choose to forgive you because Christ is forgiven. And that's very healthy, folks. If you've never done that, if you're hearing my voice and there's somebody that you need to forgive, not what they did, and it could be anything that did against you. But if you just sit down and write that letter, mom, dad, Bob, Bill, Harry, Mary, doesn't matter, and write that letter. And if they're alive, I would send it to them. If they're dead, just write the letter, fold it up. Give it to someone. Yeah. yeah. But in the Bible, and Mike can speak to in-depth Bible better than I can. But in the Bible, it says, once you forgive, then you're forgiven. But if you don't forgive, you're going to carry that. And that's not good. That's not good for you. So seek forgiveness of yourself. Because so many of us, I'm going to raise my hand, have been I say off the reservation and through work and prayer and counseling, I learned to forgive myself. And that sets you free. Just like accepting Jesus sets you free. A freedom that you could never, never, never know without that, without Christ. Your thoughts yeah. on that? Yeah. You know, I always say that, um, you know, the offenses we carry and that unforgiveness, right? It doesn't affect the other person. It's it's what's affecting us. Oh, yeah. Because the other person doesn't boys, even care. Yeah. And, they and don't that's even why remember. Boys, no, that's why these boys are acting out is because they're so angry. They don't know why they're angry until we're able to show them where that anger comes from. But Bruce, let's be honest. All of us have a father wound. I know I've wounded my children, maybe not intentionally, right? Or unintentionally, but to be able to say, I know if I've hurt you, can I please ask for your forgiveness? Well, for these fatherless boys to realize that their anger and they're mad is that it's that unforgiveness. 
And it's, it's what's eating them up inside. It's not eating the other person up. But when they say, you know what? I choose to forgive you. Even though what you did was wrong, I choose to forgive you. They're, like you said, those chains are off. There's freedom in that. Um, and, you know, as, as, uh, as the saying goes, and I don't know who it's accredited to, but wounded people hurt other people. Yes. Forgiven people that are willing to quickly forgive. And I can always tell, Bruce, when someone still has a father wound, because guess what they talk about? They talk about the wound or the offense about at someone, right? I mean, it's the first conversation that'll come up is that uh, they say, oh, yeah, I've forgiven my dad. And then they get into talking about all the things that he did to him. I'm like, you haven't forgiven him. Because if you've forgiven someone, there's nothing left to talk about. Thank goodness that Christ forgives our sins, that he throws them as far as the east is from the west never to be brought up again, never to be rubbed in our face, anything like that, you know, that, that beautiful grace that he's given us and forgiveness and, and to be able to extend that to other people, you, you live in a, in a, you get to be able to walk in a life of freedom and joy and peace. And, and it's amazing that, you know, that unforgiveness affects our thoughts, our emotions and our actions and in a very unhealthy way. But when we're able to say, you know what, what you did was wrong. And we're not even talking about that other person asking for forgiveness. And the other thing that's really clear to understand, too, is forgiveness is not reconciliation. Forgiveness is not reconciliation. Reconciliation is something completely different. Reconciliation has to do with trust and a bunch of other stuff. But forgiveness is me. I'm the only one that can give forgiveness towards someone else. And, uh, and to walk through that and watch these boys um, come to that place and make that decision. And we don't force it on them. But, uh, you know, it took David four and a half years to finally write that letter to his dad to forgive him for his abandoning him, you know. Um, and uh, I've seen some of these boys, if you can believe it or not, that they've written the letter and actually even posted it on Facebook. Whoa. Oh, yeah. Yep. I know some boys that... Uh, um, have done that as well as all of a sudden within weeks, their actual biological father reached out to them, you know? Um, and again, it doesn't mean reconciliation. That's, that's a different piece that takes time. And, and that wound could be so deep that you go, I choose not to have you in my life, but I still choose to forgive you. If that makes sense. And I hope it does folks. If, if you understand what Mike's saying, um, you were hurt, but you can take the emotional hurt, through forgiveness with the benefit of Christ to heal yourself through Christ and let all the other things fall into place if they're going to. Yeah. Like you said, you know, it doesn't change what they did was wrong. And by understanding that forgiveness doesn't say what they did was right. Forgiveness is just saying that I no longer harbored it in my mind. And when, when you're able to do that, then there's no ill words that come out of your mouth anymore about that individual because you've chosen to forgive them and move on. And so I, you know, I clarify that too, is forgiveness doesn't mean that what they did was right. That's not the case. Yeah. You're actually please, saying please what hear you that. did was wrong. Right. Yeah. Please hear that, folks. We're not saying that at all. Yeah. Not at all. So if somebody wants to financially support Fathers in the Field, what do they do? Well, I appreciate that because, you know, we raise our support, our own support as missionaries. Um, so that we can volunteer our time to the local church and 
training up men like yourself, Bruce, and and the leadership of the of the church, and get in front of men and get the word out. Um, opportunities like this. Um, but uh, as far as support goes, um, we are a five hundred one c three. So you know there is right now, at least as long as the government gives us a tax you know deduction, you you have that benefit. <laughs> um, and so if you go to the website, there's a button on there you can click on donate now. Um, or if you want to have a conversation with me and talk more about the ministry, reach out to me through Fathers in the Field and just say, hey, Mike, give me a call and, and I'll do that because I get all those emails. And uh, I'd love to visit with you more about partnering with us because I will tell you, not only myself, but every missionary on staff, we will battle on your behalf. And uh, this is this is kingdom ministry. It is changing one boy at a time. And when we think about there's 23 million fatherless children in America, we know we can't reach them all, but it's one boy at a time, you know, and Bruce, I can only mentor one boy. And so having you come on board and mentor a boy, we're reaching one more boy. But you think about it. Those boys are going to change a generation because they're going to stop a cycle of destruction. 85% of men that have been abandoned by their fathers will repeat that cycle. They will abandon their children. The other 15% become the CEOs, CFOs, presidents. Um, they're going to try and prove through their success that they can be loved by their dad, which is not true. It can't and happen. So, no. That can't happen. It doesn't happen. And no, so, doesn't. you know, fatherless men were fatherless boys that make fatherless boys. And to be able to stop that cycle of destruction and to see someone like a David that he's going to have committed, he's committed to his bride, he's committed, he'll be committed to his children, that um, he's changing a whole legacy of generation and stopping generational sin that is rampant. I believe it's the number one social issue we face in America is that fatherlessness. And uh, all we have to do is look around, right? Look in churches. Where are the men? Where are the men? And it's time to quit being silent and to say, Lord, here I am. I don't have much to offer, but here I am. Use me and God will use you. Be careful when you say that, folks. You better <laughs> be. You better be. Right. But there's so many ways to be advocates too, Bruce, you know. Um, in addition to being a mentor like yourself or connecting us to your pastor, supporting financially is huge so we can keep reaching more churches and more boys. But you also may know a single mom. And uh, if any single moms that are listening to the show, please reach out to us. You know, the sad fact is when shows like this or on other where it's aired on other places, it's the single moms that call us. It's not the pastor's. And so we got to go bang on their doors and confront them with God's word that mandates us to care for the orphan and widow and then give them the tools and the resources to do it in such a powerful, impactful thought. You know, it's just so been so thought out. The ministry has been around since 2005 and uh, every every pastor I meet with go, holy smokes, this has been well thought out. And uh and I'm just blessed that God's called me, you know, to be able to be a missionary to fatherless boys. How many people in America can say that? Not too many. And so, folks, you might be wondering uh, who the original fatherless servant was, and that's John Smith Baker. So give us a little background about John. I know John personally, um, and that isn't why I joined here. I didn't find out John was the first 
father's servant until I went into the manual and got to page 13, 14, whatever. I go, Smith Baker, I know, I know that guy. Yeah. And so it's a good story, but that's a story for another time because I will have Mike on uh, on the show more than once, that's for sure. But tell the people about the founder and why he founded Fathers in the Field. Yeah. So I don't know how much time we have, so I'll keep it this brief on this yeah, one. You got 10 minutes. You got 10 minutes. Okay. Yeah. So um, John grew up fatherless, actually. Uh, um, when he was in his mother's womb, his father wanted his mom to get an abortion. And she said no and was abandoned. And he grew up, um, obviously had uh, different stepdads come in and out of his life and uh, angry. Um, but, you know, John became that 15% I talked about, that overachiever I'm going to prove through my success and became very successful and owner of, of companies and um, um CEOs of, of large outdoor companies, all of that. And he was actually um, driving down the back roads of Wyoming uh, as an adult um, man um, in world's eyes, very successful. Um, and he knew that he was a mess and he pulled over and cried out to God to forgive him of his wretched sins. And, and the Lord forgave him of his sin and uh, God just said, you need to forgive your dad. And he's like, that ain't happening. And he's like, you need to forgive your dad. And he said, I forgave my dad in that moment for what he had done to me and my mom and my sister. And he said, this peace that came over him was amazing. And after that, he's like, I have to be able to help these boys. And so God used a, a tragedy in his life. Um, and turned it around into a ministry to reach boys, fatherless boys, and start this ministry. And uh, John stepped away from the corporate world about 10 years ago when I came on staff, um, maybe before that, a couple years before that, as a full-time missionary as well. And so in, in uh, 2005, Fathers in the Field got started um, through his local church in Lander, Wyoming, uh, went to his pastor and had a heart for it, and they put it together, and now it's a national ministry. We're in 38 states, and uh, um, every day we see more and more boys in churches. You know, people ask me numbers. I'm like, I have no idea because that changes every day. It's every hour. Um, but, uh, and again, on Friday, it's going to change again with you, brother. Yes, it will. And, uh, yep. And so as long as, as long as that young man says yes, then, uh, you get to move on to that amazing signing ceremony and, and start that process. But, uh, I, I have a little insight on that situation because mom, I think had shared with the boys and they were beyond excited about being mentored. And so, um, but again, we want those boys to make that decision because this is about them. And uh, I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm excited for whoever your field buddy is, because you're going to be a great mentor, my friend. And uh, I, I get to hang out with some of the greatest guys in the country that are just loving on these boys and hearing the stories and seeing how not only does it change these boys, but it changes us as men when we get to be used by God in a way that we never knew we could be. And to see God work in such a powerful, mighty way through these boys and we look at it and go, we didn't do anything. It's like with David. Like, I didn't do anything. I just showed up. And just to watch what the Lord does, it's pretty powerful. And uh, and by the way, there's some great videos on the website, uh, testimonies from single moms, um, mentors, field buddies. 
um, you know, get a chance to really encourage you to, to check out those videos. But we're looking for advocates that are willing to help us reach the fatherless and, uh, and share the gospel with them in a language they can understand. And uh, joining us, the easiest way is to go to the website um, whether it's God's calling you maybe to be a missionary or to support financially or connect us with single moms that you may know, um, whatever that looks like, um, being a mentor and getting the ministry going in your church. Um, so it, I, I can't, can't encourage you enough to uh, uh, don't wait, but at least jump on there and get your information on there so that we can be in contact with you because we'd love to continue a conversation individually one-on-one -on -one with you. Thanks, Mike, for being on the show and sharing the vision and the journey and really the heart of God, because, yes, he created all this, but he gave man dominion. And so we're to be stewards, we're to be disciples, we're to do the work. And he's there to help us, but we're here to do the work. And one thing I'd like to say is that through my years of hunting, I started in 1966 and fly fishing. I started actually earlier than that. But it's amazing when you get in a cabin or on a campfire and we're all equal. There's no zeros. There's no titles. If you're sitting around that campfire, you're part of that community. The fathers in the field take it one step further because the central figure, central to it all, is Jesus Christ. So if you've never given your heart to Christ, give me a call. Send me an email at hutchonhunting.com. Reach out to fathers in the field and say, I'm a man, I need some help, and we'll get you that help. No question about it. Because if you're at that point in your life that you need somebody to come alongside and give you a hand, get you out of wherever you're at, we can do that. I know Mike's heart. I know my heart. I know my friend's heart. And so we're here to be that opportunity for you to say, okay, enough's enough. I'm going to man up cowboy up, however you want to say it, and be the man that God created me to be. And your life will never be the same. Final thoughts, Mike? Uh, I just love listening to you there, and Bruce, and I couldn't agree with you more that um, one thought I just had was if you're, you're a man, not a, a boy seven to 17, but you're a man and you have um, a father wound, maybe you were abandoned as a man one of the new resources that Fathers in the Field just put together, and it's a separate website. It's called manenoughtoforgive.com, and it's a resource there for you to go through and walk through that forgiveness of, of being able to basically taking what we did for boys, but put it in language for men, and especially godly men that they know the Lord, but they've never forgiven their dad, and how do they do that? Um, and so to be able to walk through that book and there's a, a workbook that goes with it. So I was just thinking of that, if, you know, if you're like, how do I do this? Well, because of how many men that we work, that we work with, um, a lot of them have come and said, I've never forgiven my dad. How do I do it? Or they've gone through it with the field buddy going, I need to do this with my own dad. Um, but, uh, Anyhow, it's it's a great study. If you want to do a great men's study at your church, I just want to put a little plug on that just because I know all of us have been wounded um, by our fathers, whether intentional or unintentional, but especially if you've been abandoned by your father, especially as an adult man, 
I'd really encourage you to go through and read that and, and just the freedom of being able to say and write a letter and to give it to your dad or to your best friend saying, you know, dad, what you did was wrong. It deeply hurt. It's deeply affected me. And I choose the grace of God and the power of Christ. I choose to forgive you. And I'm telling you, the freedom that comes from it, Hatch, you know, as, as I shared this ministry with my dad when he was alive, I shared it with him about 13 years ago. My dad got up and walked away from the table four times because that wound was still there because my dad was a pain. My dad chose to break and stop the cycle of abandonment in my family and never divorce my mom, but he didn't know how to be a dad because he was never, never fathered. And that's a beautiful thing that we get to do. That foundation that we get to build on in fathers in the field is on faith, fatherhood, and forgiveness. And, uh, as, as they come to faith, but they get to see a, a godly man model what it means to be a father and to have a man in their lives that they can walk through life, you know, life with, um, it's, uh, it goes beyond the three years, you know, as, as I always say with these young men that are, I say young men, I mean, a lot of them are all already in their forties is that, um, I'm, I'll always be in your life. And, uh, as long as you want me there and, uh, they reach out all the time and just to see what God's doing in their lives, even in the mistakes that they've made along the way. Um, and to be able to celebrate the victories and cry with them when they've hurt, you know, in the, in the, down in the dumps and to give them a hand up out of the, out of the ditch, you know? And so, um, I'm so thankful for you having me on and being able to share fathers in the field. And if we only help one boy, right, Bruce, if this podcast it's only helps it. one boy, it's all worth it. And that's, that's, that is my battle. It's one boy at a time. And I'm going to continue to battle for one boy at a time. So thank you. Thanks again, Mike. So this is Hutch, Hutch on Hunting, welcoming you to check in with me at hutchonhunting.com or hutchonhunting at gmail.com. And because the Colorado uh, licensing is coming up in April where you put in for limited tags. So I'm here to help you figure out where you want to hunt in Colorado in 2024. So reach out to me and we'll set up a meeting and discovery call and find out how I can help you at hutchonhunting.com. And with that, God bless everybody.